I think there's so much that can be done to make your car more connected to the rest of your life and really have it as an extension in the same way that you think of your phone today as an extension and you wouldn't be able to live without it really. I think it's both in the hardware and the software space that there's some really exciting stuff happening. That voice belongs to Tina Kohler. She's the head of marketing at Audi UK and she's here to predict your future. I'm Alex Goy and this is Audi Behind the Rings. Ingolstadt in Germany is the home of Audi's global HQ and it's where Audi is dreaming up the future. Research is being undertaken there to simulate the future of mobility, where vehicles are shared, automated and connected. It's been found that getting cars to communicate with us, with each other and with infrastructure will ultimately make our journeys more convenient, more efficient and a lot safer too. What will the future look like for you and me? Should we expect to be able to click our fingers and have the model we've always lusted after appear on our driveway? Will we be filling up with some fuel we haven't heard of yet? Will we have to physically drive at all? I'm going to catch up with Tina Kohler, Head of Marketing at Audi UK, and Jason Barlow, Editor-at-Large of Top Gear magazine and Contributing Editor to British GQ, to find out. Jason! Let's start with you. Now, I did used to watch you on the telly after school. You've been in the motoring industry. You've been a motoring journalist presenter for for a fair while now. Where do you feel that we are with cars at the moment? Because I feel like I feel like we're on a cusp of something quite big. Something big is about to happen. What's happening? What's changing? Yeah, 28 years, Alex, I've been in this business. What, what, how old is the car? Is it like 125 years, 126 years as a, as a thing? I believe it's about that. You know what? We're in the business of there's a lot of hype. There's always people talking things up. But I genuinely believe this is the most pivotal time for the automobile since it was invented. I genuinely believe that. There is so much going on. There's such a convergence of macro trends, individual trends, technology. It's absolutely a strange, wonderful and slightly scary time for anyone involved in the automotive business, I would say. Um, you know, we read about millennials, Generation Y. I've got a couple of teenagers. My daughter is learning to drive. She's passionate about getting behind the wheel because it, it does equate to freedom. I, I was thrilled that she wanted to do it because I have many friends of, of kids who are 17 and 18 who have zero interest in driving a car because it's too expensive, the insurance is prohibitive, fuel costs a fortune, and why would they want to? So that that's another issue. The whole approach to personal mobility, what it means, what it symbolises, that's massively changing as well. Uh, and that's a huge thing for the car industry to be facing up to. Yeah, I suppose if people aren't interested in, in anything bigger than a scooter or a bike, that is a challenge that needs to be met. Tina, I want to bring you in at this point. You've come to Audi from Amazon. It's a company that everybody in the world knows. And it's because of companies like that, with firms like Amazon and Netflix and Deliveroo, there's a lot of expectation of sort of almost instant gratification. You can tap a screen 
and 20 minutes later, a burger will be at my front door. I want to watch this film in this quality with this actor. I can press a button and it's there. Same with video games. You can just download the one you want instantly. How are these expectations being manifested in automotive? How are buyer behaviours changing? And how is, how is the industry going to react to that? You're right. Customers, what they expect is shaped by what they know from other categories, right? And just because automotive has longer product development cycles doesn't mean that customers don't expect the same services from this category. So, you know, you're used to seeing exactly what is relevant to you from other categories. If you're on Amazon, you get recommendations that are relevant. So you expect to see this and be able to do this as well when you shop for a car. And in fact, in the online journey, you want to do that. Tony, can I ask you a question? Um, why did you come to Audi? I'll tell you one of the things I'm slightly obsessed with is how o o automotive companies, OEMs, are rebranding themselves as technology companies that specialize in personal mobility. Yeah. They're, they're not car companies anymore. No. Every big OEM is on that journey. And I, I often think, is it because they're slightly jealous of, you know, Alex, when you, you were talking about the TV program I made, but back then, 2001, 2002, there was no Amazon. There was, I, I think Google was in its infancy, if it even existed. The rapidity of the rise of these big tech companies have made car companies look like dinosaurs, basically. So why, why did you leave Amazon and come to Audi? If that's not too impertinent a question. <laughs> no, it's it's a great question, but it, like it's exactly what you just said. Um, there's so much change happening. Like I, but I get my energy from change. I get my energy if I can see how I can make an impact. And there's so much to do. If you think these companies, they've been a hardware company, and it, looking at Audi, it's obviously you know it's engineering is is in its DNA. It's like you know they're beautifully designed cars. But it's not only about the car anymore. It's not only about the hardware. It's about the software and how you basically your, your car becomes your extra device in addition to your phone and the other devices you use. And it needs to be integrated with those other devices in a seamless way and in, in an intuitive way. You want to get into an Audi and be able to connect through the virtual cockpit with your phone and your music and you want to make calls. And it's almost it's, it's basically your extended device, which you use when you're mobile. And that's that's what I find really interesting. And, you know, the, the obviously COVID has accelerated a lot of these changes for us. But that's why it's also a really exciting time because you can try new things and, you know, kind of push the boundaries a bit in an industry that obviously has been there for a long time and has been successful for a long time. So, so I talk about COVID, obviously it's, it's limited what a lot of people can do, but how has it accelerated those changes for Audis? What push has it caused Audi to take? Well, already before COVID, the, the change towards digitalization was, was happening. So it's not a new trend. I think it has accelerated. You know, to give you an example, when you buy a car, 59% of the time is spent online. So that means a lot of the decisions customers will take before they even enter a, a dealer. And it's really important to be there and have the right content. What's important, I think, is that you need to as a customer, you need to have the right equivalent to what you would experience physically. And I think this is what, what has been accelerated through COVID. Give you an example. I So I have a toddler. My, my son is two and a half years old. And, you know, there was lockdown. And unfortunately, his feet grew. I needed to get new shoes. Normally, I would never buy shoes online for him. But, you know, what can you do? The shops are closed. I need to buy it online. So which company did I turn to? I turned to the company that was able to guide me through that purchase where I could find a 
way how I measure the feet in the correct way, where I can assess different shoe models and how they fit to the feet. At Amazon, we always talked about recreating this touch and feel experience that you would have in a physical store and creating that online. And I think the same is true for cars. So what is the virtual equivalent of a test drive? That's some of the exciting and interesting stuff to work on. And the customers are looking for these experiences and, and they want to use them to, to choose a car. And with COVID and people being locked in their houses, demand has just increased. Jason, what, 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 uh, what about you? You've, you you've, obviously, you've experienced a lot of cars. Would you be convinced to buy one online, sight unseen, not driven, not touched? Do you know, I talked to, to a friend at the weekend about this. Uh, yeah, he said, you know, so many people now are just, we, we know these services, they're being advertised very heavily. And I can't quite get my head around it. Again, it, it's one of those things when, when you get to a certain age, you always think when you're growing up, oh, I'm never going to turn into that person that's looking over shoulder. I don't understand that. But there's so much happening at the moment that I don't understand. Why on earth would I, would I spend a fortune buying a car, which we all know is the second most expensive thing you buy after your apartment, flat, house, whatever, and not even sit in it? I, you know, I'm from the generation that'd be like, I go to a dealer, I build a relationship with that person, I take the car out. In fact, the car we bought for my daughter last year, we could have just had it delivered and gone, there you go, sweetheart, there's your new car. But we didn't. We found it on a dealer network. We drove to see it. We were just coming out of lockdown. So this one does does surprise me slightly, Tina, you know, and again, I think this might be one of those areas, maybe, maybe it is just the age. This is the thing that worries me as you get older, you go, do I, am I just missing something? What am I, what am I not getting here? You know, you came from Amazon, you know this better than anybody. Why is it happening? I think to be fair, you are not the minority, you are the majority. So so customers will still visit a dealer in the customer journey. And I think the dealerships are still an incredibly important place for us and will be. So obviously we, we are working on e-commerce. We're working together with our dealer network. And what we really want to do is we want to provide the best of both worlds, online and bricks and mortar. And I think that's what the customers are looking for. And that's what we want to give them. And if you think about even big online retailers are working on creating physical stores in addition to their virtual experience. So that just shows you that there's a role for both. So the experience of how we buy cars and how we how we interact with models and new announcements, that is changing. But also the cars themselves are changing. There's going to be loads of personalised ways I'll be able to get into the seat of a car. But the cars themselves are going to be hugely different. So, Tina, what, what can you tell us about that? So our current focus is, of course, on, on electric cars, and we're working towards producing 30 electrified models by 2025. We are also looking at other technologies, so options like the H-Tron, which is uh, a car powered by hydrogen, and of course, autonomous cars. And there's actually a really exciting project, which is Project Artemis. And that's a project that will develop highly automated electric cars that could be seen in market as soon as 2024. So we've just launched the e-tron GT. I think a very different feeling to driving an, a, a petrol car. It, it's one of our most successful launches. And we're launching later on another, later on this year, Q4 e-tron, which is another electric car, which is just going to, it's, it's an SUV. So it's going to be accessible to more people. So that's one area we innovate in, you know, having those new fuel types that are more sustainable is really important for us. But then also ownership experience. How do customers experience the car once they're in it? So we talked previously about 
software and how the car is becoming more of a, of a software item almost. And within that, you can obviously offer additional digital services to customers that they can book. As an example, we'll do functions on demand, which is additional services that a customer can book. So to give you an example, we have LED matrix light. They help you a lot with visibility at night, but it's something you only really need in the winter months because in the summer it's light for, for very long. So you don't need it. So you could book this as an additional service for six months in the year when you need it. And, and that's an example that's existing now. Again, it comes back to personalization and, and giving you exactly what you need at the right point in time. People need to be acutely aware that this is going to be one of the core trends over the next decade, I think, where, as you say, your car is is uh, like your laptop or your mobile phone, your smartphone or whatever. And there are all these things you go, oh, OK, I, I didn't know that. I, I, it had never occurred to me that I could upgrade for six months to see me through the winter to get my laser lights and then and then stop. Yeah, I think it's basically you buy a car and it's your platform almost. And then you add additional things in the same way that you would for various other devices that you use. Right. And then the other is obviously, you know, the new concept cars that we're developing and that we will be revealing. So, so it's, I think it's both in the hardware and the software space that there's some some really exciting stuff happening. Sure. I think this is the key thing, Alex, isn't it? It's we, we even though you're a lot younger than, than me, we've grown up thinking of cars as pieces of hardware uh, and they're, they're no longer they're not hardware. They're, they're as much software as they are hardware these days. Yeah, talking to people who uh, fix and maintain these things, I, I was talking to, to someone a few weeks ago now and saying, so what, what's, what, what, what's changed on this particular vehicle? What, what's changed? Like, well, we don't get oily anymore. <laughs> We're all software engineers. Yeah. We, we, have to, we have to figure out how to sort out networking problems more than we have to change oil. When we do need to change oil, we're told when by the computer. We know exactly when the vehicle's coming in. We know exactly what we need to do. See, Alex, the thing, the thing that, bother, that doesn't bother me but worries me uh, many things worry me, <laughs> but it's it's like, you know, we write about handling and steering feel and understeer and oversteer. And I, I, you know, there will always be an audience who are interested in that sort of stuff. But I do worry that that they're dwindling and that people just we really don't care about that stuff so much I mean, I th I, these days. I, I, I think there will, there will always be an audience for fast, shiny, exciting cars, products, things like that. I think there'll be... Increasingly, there'll be people glamorising or, or remembering the old days because, of course, Audi is launching new RS cars. The, the petrol development isn't halting immediately. There's a rear drive R8 sitting on Audi's fleet right now that's bright yellow and is really fun. So I, I, don't, think, I don't think we're going to be forgotten. I do think we'll become the hardcore petrol heads might become more niche or there'll be a whole new audience of them who dig... EVs and electric cars because the green car movement is massive now. If you look at if you look out into the media, everyone's launching green car channels because they want to talk. There's an audience for electrification. There's there's a very especially if you look at Twitter and mention certain names, there are some very vocal people who are very passionate about EVs. Speaking of EVs, with the smoothest segue in the world, <laughs> I knew it was it was going to come. You're very good. It was going to come. Um, speak, speaking of EVs and cars to get passionate about, Jason, you've driven e-tron GT. What is it like? Because I've not had a go. I know it's pretty. I know Mark Lister reckons he's uh, it's his favouritest car he's ever he's ever designed. Yes. So what's it like to actually get behind the wheel of? 
Well, I know Mark reasonably well, and I think I think he's probably right, you know, and, and he's and he's done a lot of good stuff over the years. But uh, the e-tron GT, I, he's totally nailed it. Honestly, I'd say it's one of those tipping point moments. It looks a bit like a spaceship, which I absolutely love, without being totally outlandish and without being needlessly polarizing. I also genuinely think it has the best handling and ride of of any Audi I've driven for a long time, you know. And it was on massive wheels, and I I got out of it and just looked at it and kind of was like. Wow, it really did feel like like it had rearranged some of my preconceptions. You know, I had the RS version, so it was unbelievably rapid. But I love the way it steered, and I love the way it handled, and I love the way it stopped. I mean, it was like intergalactically quick. One of the best Audis of all time, I would say, which bodes very well for the future. So, well, in that case, I think, you know, if there are cars like that now that get you excited... I think we might be all right, you know. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I agree. You know, I, genuinely, you know, there are coming fast and, and furious now, you know, impressive EVs. There are many coming. The technology is constantly evolving. The bigger questions remain. It's about the infrastructure. It's about clarity in terms of the user experience. It frustrates me that, uh, and this is a point I'd be keen to talk to you about, Tina, I have this notion of death by app. I don't want any more apps on my phone. My kids are like, but but why are you getting so frustrated? This is so easy. And I don't find it particularly easy, you know, and I'm reasonably <laughs> tech savvy. I understand your frustration. I don't know, have you, have you clustered your apps or something? That sometimes helps, <laughs> but I'm sure you have done Clustered that. my apps? <laughs> I don't even know what that means, <laughs> Tina. Are they a band playing in the Dublin Castle in Camden next week. Clustered my apps. Sounds quite fun. I mean, Jay, if, if, if they were a band, they'd be in your massive record collection. You'd know about them already. Yes, I would, perhaps. R- right yeah. now, we are in that sort of frontier tech, early adoption. There's the gold rush going of, I want my slice of the electric pie. And especially for the, for the charge side of things. But is a battery electric vehicle, is that going to be the future? Or are our cars going to be powered differently so 20 50 100 years time are we still going to be plugging in or are we going to have various takes on petrol but not petrol hydrogen for example oh yeah well, hydrogen of you know the fuel so i think it was interesting you know at the start um when you said i've been doing this for 28 years and when i started in 1993 i remember reading about a, a hydrogen fuel cell that a major oem was working on and it was going to be on the market in five years time and every five years, we'd hear the same thing. And there are only, I think, three for sale in the UK. You know, we know there are some some big high-tech companies that are working on it. It will come. My feeling is that the fuel cell, hydrogen fuel cell technology is the answer for moving freight, uh, all those lorries up and down the motorways. I think that's where we'll see it. I think there are still too many problems in terms of how you store it in the boot of a passenger car for it to be fully feasible in the medium term. Uh, Although, interestingly, there's stuff like this hydrogen goop, which is a pest that you store in a cartridge. A company in Germany, I think, is working on this. It sounds crazy. So there, there, there is that coming, perhaps. I, I have I have an image with this goop of someone rocking up with an enormous tube of toothpaste and rolling down the back of it to try and get the last bit of goop out. Well, it would be a nightmare, wouldn't it, if that was the case? You know, that would lead to some delays in service stations. Uh, I like the image, though. Who squeezed from the middle? Come on, guys. Exactly. Exactly. How often have I told you not to do that? Um, you know, synthetic fuels are coming, which will help keep our beloved internal combustion engine cars going for a while. Wireless inductive charging, you know, we know that's coming. Solid state batteries are probably the answer in medium term. But then equally, I know two or three people in the industry who absolutely certain that electrification and electric propulsion is not the answer. 
So I don't know. You know, the entire industry and governments worldwide are pivoting towards electrification. And there are still some dissenting voices out there who say, no, nah. you know, and we know there are problems with, with rare earth materials, you know, where, where, where these materials come from, how they're sourced, whether it's ethical. It's very complicated and fascinating, you know, fascinating. So, Tina, where, where, where does Audi stand on all of this? So as always, we're obviously innovating on different technologies. So, so we, and we, we obviously have already models that use alternative fuels. We also have an H-Tron concept car, which basically is a, is a car which has hydrogen. So what similar to what Jason just mentioned as an, as an energy source. So we're working on that stuff, but we are fully committed to electric cars as well at this point. And we know that in the UK by 2030, we won't be selling any ICE cars anymore. We, we need to do our bit. We're also doing that, you know, the cars are one thing, how we produce the cars is the other thing. So we have two plants that are functioning in a completely carbon neutral way already, where hopefully all the production will be carbon neutral by 2030. So there's a lot of work going on in, in the sustainability space. And I think this is really important for our customers. Customers and electrification with, with those two things tends to come some people like uh, one of my closest friends he's in the market for a new car he's one of those people that buys a car runs it into the ground and goes right what can i now have for another 10 years he is convinced that his next car is not only going to be electric but it's going to drive him around so i'm going to throw this in because jason you and i as we've as we said before we you know we're car people <laughs> we are we're the kind of people that talk about oversteer and understeer over a beer and get really quite nerdy about these things um, and have to then make it interesting for people who might not be. Where do we stand on autonomous vehicles? Are you looking forward to our, our robot overlords? Are we going to have robot butlers? <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I've spoken to, in fact, I, Tina, I spoke to several RD people um, and they're, they just, you know, and, and, and many others in the industry and they just go, yes, but, but, but it's an amazing thing. And I remember landing at Heathrow Airport some years ago. In fact, I think I had an R8 on test and it was wonderful and I was looking forward to my drive home. But I got mired in pretty much the worst traffic jam of all time in the M25. And it, it, when you're in scenarios like that, you do think, well, wouldn't it be wonderful just to push a button and let the car take care of all this? It is coming. I think the infrastructure, can you imagine driving autonomously around London? Alex, you live in London. Um, I just don't see it working in cities like that. I know they're trialing it in cities like Arizona in America, cities that are on a, on a, on a more modern grid layout. I think I can see it see it working there. Uh, honestly, I, I know that we're we're talking technology today and I am excited about it. Don't mistake me for a Luddite. I'm really not. But I do have a, a, a philosophical problem with, with handing over control of a piece of machinery that weighs two tonnes or whatever to computers. You know, I, I, I'm just not really a fan of it. Sorry. What do you think, Tina? For me, the biggest factor here is, is safety. And that's like, you know, it needs to be safe as a technology. And then I think people will get on board on it, but again, won't get on board on it for all occasions. So as you rightly say, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm German. So I'm a big fan of the German Autobahn, you know, four lanes and it goes on and you can you can really make use of, of a beautiful car. You know, in that situation, I could actually imagine, especially with the speed limits and so on, that actually it's quite it's very useful to, to, to have the car doing a lot of the work for you. But there will be always instances where you want to drive the car yourself. 
you know, for example, weekend in Cornwall, lovely country roads, like that's the fun driving, right? That's what, what you like. And so personally, so I'm, I currently, um, I drive an automatic now, but I've always driven with a gear shift. And uh, I, I was quite hesitant to, to transition to, to automatic because I liked to be in control, right? Uh, when, when you drive with a gear shift. But again, I have to say the automatic car now that I just, you know, I use it to pick up my son from nursery. To be honest, it's, it's quite convenient in, in city traffic. So it all comes down to the occasion, I think. But there's certainly a lot of autonomous technologies that we're working on. We have recently presented four sort of radical Audi intelligence concept cars, and they're basically tailored to different styles of driving. So it could be urban or off-road, and, and, and each of them is, is tailored in a for, for a specific environment. You know, that kind of technologies, it, it can be quite useful. Again, it's important that it's safe for the customer, and it's important that it's enjoyable to drive an Audi. So, so we're trying to kind of square these two things. And as always, we, we also try to give customers a choice. And I think that's important. Regardless of that, uh, customers are, are using already a lot of stuff or they already have a lot of stuff in their cars that is basically autonomous technology, right? I think you're parking, you have obviously an assist there. We have a lot of these technologies in the cars already built in today that we didn't have before. Um, and, and customers are using these and, and they're helpful for them for, for tasks that they maybe find a little bit more taunting or that they don't like as much. So, so that's where it comes in. And the other thing, you talk about safety. Actually, I think autonomy, and this is an important point. I know Jean Tot, the president of the FIA, is committed to a world where there are zero fatalities and autonomous cars. That is actually part of the matrix of possibilities with autonomy. It will mean fewer crashes, fewer collisions, because it reduces the you know capacity for human error. The, the, the point here is that on the way to full autonomy, there are technologies that can be extrapolated and can be used in order to help people on, on a more basic level. But then as we build up that far, you know, all autonomous vehicles, they're going to mobilise a lot more people. So I'm, I'm becoming, you know, quite conscious that my mum and, and my friend's parents are going to reach that age where they can't really or shouldn't really drive. At some point that is going to happen. With with autonomous vehicles, you can just fold mum into the back of a pod and say, off you go, do you think? Mm. I don't know. Again, uh, you know, I'm a huge movie fan and I always think of Blade Runner, which is one of my favourite films, and, and then Total Recall with the Johnny Cab and all the rest of it. There's something slightly dystopian for me about the idea of an autonomous car. There just is. But I fully appreciate that I'm, I'm, I'm probably in a bit of a minority here, that the vast majority of people love the idea of getting into a car and pushing a button and it drives itself. No, yeah, no, but I, I know what you mean. Like it does seem, it's, it does seem futuristic in a way, right? But people are working on that stuff. So we, as we work on these things, we get to work with some some really cool companies and partners on, on these technologies. So I don't know if you've read anything about sort of air taxis uh, recently. There's been quite a bit of buzz around the topic. So we're working with Airbus um, and Itel Design. So basically you combine a car and a drone into one thing. And obviously there's lots of advantages if you think about urban areas and taxi rides and congested roads and so on, which, which make this quite interesting. But at the same time, I think the big thing that is needs to be resolved is the regulations around it. So who's responsible if something happens? Like how is that regulated, that whole space, um, is really important alongside the technology. Because I think the technology is actually soon gonna gonna be there and, and even is already there today. 
Talking of the tech side of it and cars being aware of one another, the tech is being developed right now so that cars can communicate with one another on a, on a sort of network, right? So it, it will be aware of where it is and its space. Yeah, and, and, and why is that? Because we think the customer will have a benefit from that. So we have currently, we have 1.7 million cars in the Volkswagen Group, which are on the roads. And you can almost consider it a, like a swarm intelligence, <laughs> basically. They can obviously detect things, they can detect road conditions and so on. And you can then translate this into warning customers about slippery conditions and things like that. So you have a lot of technology that, that enables to make the roads a safer place, which are built on technology. So um, the cars talking to each other is a reality today and, and will be even more of a reality in the future. Or if you think about traffic lights and how they are synced, right? And providing that intelligence to, to those systems so that they are optimized and the traffic can flow better and things like that and, and should improve everyone's experience when they drive a car. What I'd like to ask is, you know, we've heard about this incredible digital landscape that's coming with how cars are going to be personalised to us, how we're going to be told what's going on, where and how, potentially whether a car can drive us around London one day. Maybe that would be quite nice, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> save endless traffic. What would you like from your ideal future car? Jason, we'll start with you. <laughs> Do you know... I, I'd like a dream two car garage. I'm all over having something that's fully electric, perhaps fully autonomous, provided I can have my, my lovely old sports car, which runs on synthetic fuels. Uh, we need to get off fossil fuels. We all know that. I've just been covering the extreme E race in Saudi Arabia, actually, whole, whole other thing there. But the whole push towards sustainability and awareness of climate change, this is probably the single most important thing that the human race faces right now. And the fact is that our, our pivot towards electrification is all in service to reducing our emissions. We understand that. The pandemic, as we've said, has accelerated certain underlying social trends. So I get, I get all that. I suppose if I was to look into my crystal ball, yeah, I mean, I'm quite happy to have an e-tron GT and uh, something fun for the weekend. I, I just hope that happens. It's, it's about having one foot in the digital space and one that's still nicely analog. You, you know my record collection, Alex. I've got about 4,000 vinyl albums. And also, and it's, a, it's, it's, not, it's, not a, it's an opposite. And I don't own a single one. We should get into them. They're lovely. And, but this is the thing. <laughs> the rise of streaming, the, out of iTunes and streaming, who, who would have ever predicted that vinyl records would come back the way they have? They've overtaken compact discs, you know. And, and it's not just old gits like me. It's, it's Generation Y. My kids love vinyl records. I don't know why, but they do. And I think that's a nice example. And I think going forward, hopefully, I can have my uh, fully autonomous electric Audi and maybe something that, that has the soul of uh, the original Audi Quattro in it as well for high days and holidays. Tina, what about you? Where, where, where do you see the future? What do your roads look like? From a personal point of view, I think Jason said, said a few really interesting things. I think definitely alternative fuel, that's for me a given. We need to protect our environment and we need to make this a better place for, for the future. So that's really important for me. And I'm keen and happy to see the stuff we're working on in Audi that, that will make that happen. And I think the second thing is, though, I talked a lot about choice today. So I think 
as a customer, I want to have the choice if I want to drive in a dynamic way. Do I want to have full control or do I want to give some control to the car and, and, and use some of those services? So I want to have that choice. And that's really important for me. And, and hopefully what Jason described in two cars, I want to have that ideally in one car because I have a very small driveway and can't fit two. So, you know, that's, that's what I need. So I'm excited about that and the changes in digitalization. So coming from an, an e-commerce background myself, I think there's so much that can be done to make your car more connected to the rest of your life and really have it as an extension in the same way that you think of your phone today as an extension and you wouldn't be able to to live without it really and i think there's there's lots of things we can do there so i'm excited about that guys thank you so so much for joining me that was insightful and mega i learned so much and i am especially obsessed with the the hydrogen goop i'm not going to lie i just the the idea of someone recharging their car with a big tube of toothpaste just really appeals to me i don't know why it's stuck in my head but thank you so so much that's absolutely fascinating thank you very much nice to talk to you both thank you it was great fun Well, that was Tina Kola and Jason Barlow, both blowing my tiny mind a bit with visions of a hydrogen goop-filled car with no steering wheel turning up at my door mere seconds after I decide I want to get out of London. Where the past was a self-driven private car, the future might just be an autonomous shared one. A big thank you to both of them for their time. Still to come on this series of Behind the Rings, a deep dive into the history of Quattro and a chat with a famous Audi supervan. And as it happens, I'm a massive superfan of his. So that should be great fun. I'll be back with another episode in a week's time. So do subscribe wherever it is you like to listen to your podcasts and I'll catch up with you then.